Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, The Love and Dating Gurus with Dr. Den, an industry expert. I'm very excited about this show as it will bring new insight to our many listeners about the dating challenges in the 21st century and the do's and don'ts when seeking your soulmate. Everything you need or want to learn about the how-tos of dating and relationship will be discussed here. How to avoid being put into friend zone after the first date, being catfish, con, or getting scammed, and so much more will be covered in this podcast. Toxic relationships can cause strife, breakup, or divorces. Infidelity, trust issues, trouble finances can contribute to these challenges. Guests appearing on our show are experts in this industry, sharing their insight about what you can encounter in any stage of dating, getting to relationship, and whatever else comes next. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in relationship, marriage counseling using the EFT method, and post-divorce strategies when transitioning back into a civil life. I provide individual one-on-one sessions in both French or English, and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our official website is metalifecoach.online. Today, I'm very excited to have for our 10th and last episode of Season 2, a very special guest and divorce coach, Karen Covey. And just like my previous podcast, I will leave it up to guests to properly introduce themselves, as no one can do a better job. Karen, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. I really appreciate that. Yes, as you said, I am a divorce coach and a recovering lawyer. I'm also a mediator, an arbitrator, and a collaborative divorce professional, and the author of When Happily After, Ever After Ends, How to Survive Your Divorce Emotionally, Financially, and Legally, um, which is shameless plus, plug available on Amazon. <laughs> so that's a little bit about my background, and that's who I am and what I do. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today. Now, in the Love and Dating uh, Guru podcast, I usually like we always try to encourage people about dating, putting themselves out there, meeting people, getting into relationship and all. So this podcast is a bit on the other side of uh, happy marriages or happy relationship. So today we're going to focus on the, the big D word. <laughs> people that really, they don't really like to venture in. They're afraid about the uh, a lot of different outcome, a lot of different uh, financial distress. Um, also uh, a breakup of family, especially if there's, uh, if there's kids and so on and so forth. So um, as a divorce coach, what are the best advice you give to your client? Because you said that you're recovering attorney. Can you explain that a little bit more? That means that I practiced law as a divorce attorney for more decades than I care to admit in public. Okay. So what made you transfer from the attorney side to the coach side? What I realized as a divorce attorney, it actually started with a secretary of mine because I had this philosophy as a lawyer that when you come to my office as a client, my job is to educate you about what your options are and you make the decisions. I can't make your decisions for you. That was, you know, it's not my life, right? So that was kind of the approach that I took. And one time I was in the office, I had a small office, it was hot, the door was open, I was with a client you know, went through the entire conference. Um, the client left the office. My secretary had heard what, what I said, and she had worked for some of the major law firms in the city of Chicago. And she said to me, you know, no one else does that, right? <laughs> and I was like, D does what? I mean, it, 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 I didn't get it, right? And she explained to me that other lawyers don't explain to clients how the, everything works, what all their options are. I had the unique advantage of being of doing divorce every single way there was to do it for people. I am a mediator. I am a collaborative divorce professional. Professional. I am a trial lawyer. I could do it all. So I told them what all their choices were, and I let them make the one that was best for them. 
other lawyers will tell you not what you need to hear, but what they do. So if you go to the trial lawyer's office, they're going to say, yeah, I will go to court. I can fight for your rights. We'll win. If you go to the mediator's office, they're going to say, you know, we can work this out. But the truth is, that's about what they do as a professional, not about what you need as a human being. And so my theory was, if I educate people about what their options are, they'll make better choices. But you can't make a choice if you don't know you have one. So understanding that made me realize and start taking a look at what divorce is. And the truth is, divorce is about 10% legal. Everybody thinks it's, oh, it's this big legal thing. It, yeah, the legal part is really important, but about 80% of it or 90% is financial. It's emotional. It's relational. Relational. It's practical. It's like, where am I going to live once this is over? What do I do about the kids? How do I raise my children? On and on and on. So the part that a lawyer deals with is just a small part of it. But if you don't get those other parts done properly and do them in the right order, you make a mess and you live with the consequences of that mess for the rest of your life. And so do your kids. And so that's why I transitioned from just being a lawyer to being a divorce coach where I could help in a very different way. That is a beautiful answer. I really like it because now, um, even though you said that you're not there to be able to give them, um, to make the decision for them, because obviously if they come to you, it's because there's no hope in their marriage anymore. There's, they already said their mind that they have so many things that are not in common or so many conflict that they could not resolve that they come to you to be able to tell you or ask you, what should I do? But do you feel that most of the time, Karen, people that come to you, they're so vulnerable at this point that their mind is not really focused on what is how to think ahead. They want to be able to think now because ahead is unknown. I mean, we do not know the future. We do not know how the other attorney is going to fight for their client and how it becomes such an animosity between the, the spouses. And the reason is because obviously there's not animosity between spouses. There's animosity between lawyers. And it just never ends. That That's true. But that's why I take people, I actually work with people before they've made the decision. Because what I found is that people will spend years, sometimes decades in that headspace of, should I stay or should I go? And the problem with that is when you're in that headspace, headspace, number one, it's a very uncomfortable place for you to be. But number two, you are not 100% committed to making your marriage work because you're thinking you might end it. And you're not 100% committed to creating a new life because you're really still married. So you're just in limbo and your spouse is in limbo. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to the relationship. It's not fair to your kids. So I help people figure out what they want to do with their marriage. And the truth is between you and me and all the other listeners, of course, um, I'm just as happy when people can say, no, I want to try again. I want to, you know, I want to make this marriage work because I can give them tools to help them do that. Or if that's the, they decide the other way, I can give them tools to help prepare for their divorce and plan ahead, like you said, because it's like anything else in life. You're going to do better if you're prepared and you make a plan than if you just sort of wander through there and give your life to the lawyers and hope for the best. That is not a good divorce strategy. Because like you said, I mean, there are a lot of lawyers who will, you know, they really try hard and they'll do a good job. But there are a lot of lawyers who will just 
up the ante because lawyers make money when you fight. Yes. The more you fight, the more money they make. So it makes much more sense to have an idea of what you want and how you want to do it before you walk into the lawyer's office and then work with the lawyer in a way that makes you, puts you in the driver's seat rather than them. Let them drive the the legal part of the divorce. Yes, absolutely. That's what you're hiring them. That's what you want their expertise for. But in terms of telling them which direction you want to go, do you want to fight? Do you want to try to work it out? That's your decision. And you've got to be firmly in control of that if you want to end up where you want to end up versus, you know, fighting until you have no more money left. <laughs> yeah, that, that's most what happens for most couples as well. So where do you find yourself, uh, Karen, um, as fulfilled in your work when it comes to either helping um, the client try to make the marriage work versus giving them the advice on how the divorce is going to occur and how to help them navigate through those choppy waters. What do you find most fulfilled to help them make it work or on the other side? I'm good either way. Where I get my fulfillment is when they are clear and they make a decision because living in limbo is not living. It's just, it, it's not living up to your potential. It's not creating any kind of life that you want. So which way they decide, I'm good either way. As long as it was their decision and they had the tools to make the decision in the most informed way that they could, and then they move forward. The other thing is a decision without action isn't really a decision. It's an idea. It's a pipe dream. It's a call it what you will, but unless you do something you haven't really decided. So my job is to give people the clarity and the confidence to make a decision and then the courage to move forward and act on it. So for most couples that um, takes, as you mentioned, sometime a decade to be able to finalize the divorce, is it because it was just a glitch in the legal system that just they pushed on and on and on into fighting for a final solution or they just didn't put the effort in going through the process of divorce. Because again, sometimes they just, after two, three years, said, oh, I'm fed up with all this crap. I'm fed up with the fighting. I'm fed up. And then it just, they, they just stop interacting. Lawyers stop sending each other's letter. So what is mostly the common denominator when it comes for those divorces to last so long? Well, first of all, even today in the post-COVID world, um, for a divorce to last 10 years is crazy. It's, that's way, way, way too long. But COVID didn't do the divorce system any favors, right? It was never fast to begin with. Now it's like way more slow. So everything takes longer. And you've got to understand that when you're going through the system. Now, that also factors into which way do you get divorced? Which process do you choose? Because if you choose an out-of-court process and you get all your paperwork done, then all you're doing in court is filing, waiting for a court date and getting it done. You can usually do that in less than six months. However, that means you did the, the paperwork on the front end, you did the hard work on the front end. And it depends on what you call the start of your divorce. Is the start the day you filed in court? Is the start you the day you said, I want a divorce, that's it, I'm done? Is the start the day that you moved out? When do you think that that started? And so the problem that most people encounter is one person, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, one person makes the decision, I'm done. And the other person is like, what, wait, huh? 
What do you mean? What do you mean? Wait a minute. No, no, let's try again. Right. So emotionally, one person is is way ahead of the other. They've done their work. They've processed processed. Now for that person, they started the divorce when they started thinking about it, which might've been years ago. The other person was blindsided and to them, they're, they're not even sure this is happening. They're not done. They're not done at all. Right. And so how long you think you've been going through a divorce depends on what timeline you've been running on and what the person who's far ahead has to realize is they need to give the other person time to catch up or that person is going to dig their heels in and make everything take longer. So that the way to do that and, you know, the other way, so you've got to give your other spouse time to catch up, but keep enough pressure on so they actually do catch up and they don't just live in denial going la, 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 and not doing anything because I've seen that happen too. And then it's a question of staying on top of the lawyer and whatever divorce process you're using so that you're actually moving the case forward, making progress rather than letting it sit in limbo for way too long. But then again, wouldn't you agree um, as being yourself an attorney, um, if, if the divorce is uncontested, it will uh, happen quickly. But if the spouse has not really agreed or said, what happened? It's just so sudden. She will dig her heels, as you said, and she will contest that divorce, which may extend it independently. So what, how can you or when the court will say, OK, enough is enough. You stretch it for too long. You guys have to quit. Yeah, it depends on where you are in the country. Right. Different courts. Every court system is like its own entity. So how long it takes you to get divorced in New York may be very different than in Idaho, right? So it depends on your court system. What's the backlog there? What's the culture there? What are the court rules there? How long does it, do the rules say that you've got, you know, you've got to take to get through your divorce? So it all just kind of depends. But just because your spouse might not know that you want a divorce or might not be ready to deal with that doesn't mean that they're going to dig in and fight. That's where your preparation and planning comes in. So you can say to them, look, I know you're not ready to deal with this right now, but there are ways that we don't have to spend our entire retirement account and the kid's college fund on a divorce. Here's what your choices are. I've done the research for you. I'm just going to, you know, just let them look at it, give them time to dig into it, to figure it out. Does that mean they're going to do it? No, of course not. But at least you've tried you don't have to go to court and fight anymore. And that's probably, if you take that option, it's going to take years to get through the system. It's going to cost a lot of money, thousands, thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it causes the most personal cost, right? It's the, the, the conflict, the grief, the arguments you know, over your kids, in front of your kids, with your kids. It's just not the way to go if you can avoid it. Some people don't have much of a choice, but if you do have a choice, choosing litigation is never good. Do you assist your clients to write MSAs and to write and to deal with uh, everything that has to do with marriage separation agreement and so on and so forth? Because that has to be filed in court to be able to tell the court that we are on the process of divorcing. And this way, once we have everything agreed upon, we get the court date and then we divorce. So is there is that a process that you include into your services or you just let an, a divorce attorney to be able to take care of the MSA? 
No, because for so for anyone who's listening, MSA stands for marital settlement agreement. You need one of those usually, not always, but most of the time you need one of those to get divorced to say who gets what, right? What's happening with support? Who gets what in terms of property? What happens in the divorce? That's your agreement. That's the guts of your divorce. Right. However, um, that's what a lawyer does, right? And so I'm only a lawyer in the state of Illinois. I'm not licensed to practice law in any other state, so I can't help anybody in any other state with those kinds of things, um, nor do I think that that's where I provide the best value, because that's the technical part. That's the drafting part. Any lawyer can do that, okay. right? But deciding what you want to put in that MSA, deciding on a strategy that you can use when you're negotiating to get what you want, that's where I can help people in understanding, again, not only what their choices are, but making a plan to say, okay, this is where I want to be. This is ultimately my goal. What am I willing to do to get there? What am I willing to give up? Because you're never going to get it all ever, ever, ever. <laughs> so what are you willing to give up? What do you really want to get? What's your, where's your line in the sand of, no, if, if I can't get at least this, I'm willing to go to court and fight for it. Knowing those things before you open your mouth to negotiate will get you a whole lot farther than if you just try to take things piecemeal. What I see a lot of people do is they don't understand how many decisions they're going to have to make in divorce. And so they make one decision here, one decision there, one decision there. They don't have an overall goal. So at the end of their divorce, they end up wherever they end up and they go, well, how did I get here? Yes. Right? So you want to have a cohesive plan about what matters to you so that you make everything the entire time, which like you said, it, this could stretch out for months or years. You want to have the same plan going forward so that at the end, you end up where you want to be, or at least as close to it as you can get. So do you find yourself sometime as a marriage counselor more than a divorce coach? Um, sort of, kind of, but not really. I am not, full disclosure, I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. So I can't do marriage counseling. But what I can do is as a human being say to people, here are the things that in my practice I have seen that work. You know, I'm also probably the most happily married divorce coach that you and lawyer that you've ever found. I believe in marriage. That's why I also believe in divorce, because if it's working, you want, you know, you want to put your all into making it work, but also not spend the rest of your life in complete misery if it's not working. Um, so I, you know, I will give people those tools or I'll give them the tools to divorce peacefully and civilly, which way they want to go. That's up to them. Okay, so for all of the listeners um, that are on the, you know, that are like logged into this podcast, what would be the, the top five piece of advice that you would give them in case they're already considered divorce? They thought about it for a couple of years. They want to go through the process, but they do not want to go through, you know, all the, the ordeals, all the, the fights and so on and so forth, but also not also feel like they are a doormat, which means that... Mm -hmm advantage of and being ripped off completely by their well, their ex-significant other. So what, what is the right medium? What is the, the fair approach that you would suggest? So first of all, pick your divorce process before you pick your lawyer, right? Which means that if you 
find out everything that you can educate yourself. If you want to go through mediation, then pick a lawyer who's mediation friendly. Do not go to the biggest shark in town. That's not because they're going to tell you you have to fight. They're going to make a fight, right? So first, pick your process before you pick a lawyer. Second, make sure you have full and complete information financially, right? So that you under, you you have copies of all the documents that you need, if possible, before you even say the word divorce. And this isn't about hiding anything or being sneaky or whatever. You're not going to destroy any of these documents, but you just never know how your spouse will react. You also don't want to have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to send subpoenas for information that you could have made a copy of easily while you had access to it. So process. Yeah. So you, you want to make sure you have all of the financial information. Number three, you want to make sure you understand the financial information. For some people, it's really simple. Some people have more complicated financial picture. You can't negotiate something if you don't know how it works. And expecting, you know, the next piece of advice, which goes hand in hand with that is do not expect to let the professionals do everything for you. You have to understand this is how this works, because I promise you, nobody will care more about your divorce than you do. Right. No matter how good the professional team is that you put in place. So make sure that you get the right professionals, that you understand what you know, what you're dealing with yourself as much as possible. And number four, keep, or number five, keep in mind what matters most. Because at the end of the day, you can divorce your spouse, but you're always going to live with yourself. So if you're a complete jagoff during your divorce, you're going to have to live with the fact that you were not a nice person for that entire period of time. And you don't want to sink down to the level. If your spouse is being a jerk, that doesn't mean you have to respond in kind. Remember, your children are watching how you act and react every step of the way. And they learn by what they see, not by what you say. So who you are being during your divorce is just as important as what you end up with at the end of the day. So um, when it comes to the biggest challenges as a divorce coach, not as an attorney, that you have faced when it comes to guiding someone um, who comes to you and asks you for advice and figuring out exactly what is the least stressful. Now, I know that the divorces is very stressful. That's a given. But to minimize the amount of stress, and of course, only one of the couple will come see you because the other one doesn't know what's going on. So they'll only themselves be in front of you and ask you to, uh, you know, what is the best uh, advice in that regard? So what would you recommend in terms of, okay, this is the the best way to do it, or this is the worst way to do it? Do you give those two alternatives or you just jump directly to the best and you don't even mention the worst option? I believe people have to have a choice. They have to know all of their options. Just because I think it's the worst doesn't mean it won't be the one that you choose. I can tell you doing this is going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time. But if you want to do it, knock your socks off. The other thing is there is no best and worst in a vacuum. It's best and worst for you, right? Because, for example, a lot of people are married to very, very high conflict, you know, narcissistic spouses. I hate to say that word because I'm not a clinician. I can't diagnose anybody, but there are some people. Yeah, you do. You know what I, I see that smile. You know exactly what I'm saying. So when you're in that situation, 
the choices that you're going to make are going to be qualitatively different than if you're married to someone who's a reasonable person and things just aren't working out and you both want this. Totally different approaches. And what's right for one person may be totally wrong for another person. You know, you can go into a collaborative divorce situation with a narcissist or a high conflict spouse, and that still might be a good process for them. However, if they're using you and they just want to find use this, the, the, the process to find out, oh, what, you know, what does she want or what does he want or what, let me use this. You can use that system. You can use any system against the person who is trying to do things nicely, right? So you can't be, you can't be stupid about it. You have to be realistic about who you are married to and what's possible and then go with that. And you make a very good point, actually, Karen, especially on those who are dealing with narcissistic personality disorders, where they are basically dealing with a fight that's going to be elongated as much as possible. That's going to be a very tough one. And those who are actually the empath, which is the opposite of the, the NPD, they don't have the energy to fight because the other, the, the narcissistic person is going to make their life a living hell. So mm-hmm. chances are, are they the type of people that are, that are going to initiate that divorce because of the fear of them going to be drained to the mud by this narcissistic person? Um, that NPD person is going to drain the account. There's going to be a lot of things that's going to happen. So that in itself will completely uh, eliminate that process of them even considering the divorce. Yes and no. What people in that situation aren't considering is what price are they paying by staying? Mm-hmm. at least like well divorcing a narcissist is hell i mean it's hell on steroids right <laughs> um but theoretically anyway it has an end point right <laughs> staying married to a narcissist is hell for eternity until you know until the narcissist decides they want a divorce or your, you know, somebody dies, right? So it's a question about what life do you want to live and what price are you willing to pay to get to where you want to be? Beautiful. Now, if for all of the listeners out there, how can anyone find you, Karen, in terms of seeking for your services? And I'm sure that some of them are probably going through exactly what we discussed about. And uh, so what are the social media channel that you use the most to be able to promote your services? I'm a little bit of everywhere. I am on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I have a whole YouTube channel with a bunch of videos on it where people can go and get advice, get listened to what I have to say for free. Um, And they can also find me on my website, which is at karencovey.com, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V as in Victor Y.com. There is no Ian Covey because if there was, I'd be related to someone famous and I wouldn't have to work for a living. <laughs> and that is so, yeah, I was about to ask you, hold on. Covey has an E in, in the last <laughs> name. So yeah, you're probably not related. But on that note, Karen, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us and sharing your extensive knowledge in the field of dating and relationship. Now, the many recommendations you shared to our loyal listeners will help them better navigate through these choppy waters. Now, we hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode, and I'm also excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season three of the Love and Dating Guru with Dr. Den podcast 
filled with very valuable tip and advice, just like the one that you listened today. My name is Dr. Dan Mzelai, and you may all stay safe, sane, and smart when searching for that special someone or divorcing the wrong one. Stay tuned to our next episode.